0: Over two thousand years ago, two disillusioned disciples walked along a dusty road to Emmaus. They had just witnessed Jesus, Over 2, their thousand friend years and ago, leader, two whom they hoped to be the Messiah, walk along, along a dusty death road to a crucifixion. They had just Doubt. witnessed fear and uncertainty clouded their conversation as they journeyed home, questioning the future. Until something miraculous happened, the risen Jesus appeared. And answered their questions. Today, many young Catholics step onto college campuses with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed of faith given to them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, scheduled to be released in the summer of 2021, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. To pre-order your copy and help spread the word about the book, visit patchworkheart.org. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It is wonderful to be with you this evening, no matter where you're listening from. Thank you so very much for being here and being a part of our ministry uh, to simply sow hope into broken hearts. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Andy Santis, and uh, it is uh, a rainy day here in uh, Wisconsin, but, uh, Anne, how is it in Philadelphia? How are you doing this evening.
1: I'm doing great, and actually, it's a beautiful day here. <laughs> you might be jealous, Bill. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you know what they say about Wisconsin? The weather in Philadelphia was uh, Wisconsin today, so you might get some <laughs> rain tomorrow. Uh, anyway, uh, I know we have a wonderful show in store for people and uh, a great guest, so why don't you tell us a little bit about her?
1: Yes, we have an amazing guest this evening. We have Julianne M. Bartlett. And Julianne is coming to us from Pennsylvania, same state as me, but not quite in the Philadelphia area. And she was also a part of a conference that I was involved with last month called the Catholic Dating Conference with Smart Catholics. And, uh, and I know we can talk a little bit about that too. But before we do that, I thought we could read her bio. You've, uh, Julianne has a wonderful bio. Julianne was married to her husband, Seth. Uh, She is married to her husband, Seth, at the age of 42, having struggled with prolonged singleness for most of her adult life. She knows firsthand the aloneness and the trials that one can encounter on the path to marriage, especially when the unmarried person is older. Without a doubt, Julianne believes that God loves marriage. Her favorite subject to write and speak about is the call to marry and especially to give hope to singles who desire marriage. After spending many years in non-denominational churches, Julianne returned to the Catholic Church in her mid-30s, where she fell in love with the fullness of truth. Some years later, she wed her husband and realized her experiences could help others. Offering hope backed up with reason, Julianne provides a faithful analysis of the scriptures, catechism of the Catholic Church, and other church writings to support her insistence that single people can get to marriage with God's help. Julianne and her husband, Seth, live in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and she can be found at passionofhope.com. Julianne,
2: welcome to Sewing Hope. Thank you, Anne. Thank you for having me. Hi, Bill. Nice to meet you as well. It's an honor to be here.
0: Yeah, no, it's wonderful to have you, and we're uh, going to have a great conversation. So thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. We have so much to talk about. Um, now, this show is called Sewing Hope, and many times at the very beginning of the show, we talk about the, the stories of the people that come on the show. So we would love to start out with your own personal journey
2: in faith. Sure. Um, well, I was, I was actually born and raised in the Catholic Church, and I actually left the Catholic Church when I was about 17 years old. And I, it's kind of interesting in the sense that I grew up in a church, I, I like to say it was a very, um, not a very active Catholic church and, and I had gone to, through eight years of uh, catechism and then I went to four years of Catholic high school. I was in public grammar school and then Catholic high school but I had four years of great high school experience but I never learned anything about the Catholic faith. And so then I went to college and um, law school. And and during the my college and law school years, I did not go to church at all. And and then when I came back from law school, I I was really hungry to know the truth about God. But I didn't think it was found in the Catholic Church because I didn't learn anything during those all the years of, you know, catechism and CCD, and then in high school, so I uh, ventured into the evangelical, non-denominational world, and um, I spent ten years there, and uh, that really began my um, my search on this. Like, I learned a lot about the scriptures, and and so I. But I also was growing older <laughs> and, and unmarried, <laughs> and God used this struggle with marriage to to actually drive me back to the Catholic Church. So it was very interesting in that um, what the reason I left the Catholic Church, which was to find the truth about God, was what actually drove me back to the Catholic Church in the sense that I knew there had to be, like, one thing that God believed about because in my, my struggles in the evangelical church, I saw that s- some churches said God believed this, some churches said God believed that and, and being a very logical person, I'm not always sometimes, but I try to be um, in the, is that I knew God could only believe one thing, especially on this singleness issue. And um I, I, it drove me back to the Catholic Church. And, and so I, in my research on the singleness issue, I started looking uh, at the, the writings of saints and, and, and what the Catholic Church had to say, because I was very desperate. I was very desperate to find the truth about what God had to say about singleness and marriage. And in that search about uh, singleness, I in, in delving into the Catholic writings, I started to see the truth about the Catholic Church and the Magisterium and the Jerusalem Council and the early church. And, and then I started to learn about the actual truth. I learned all these things that I never learned as a child. And I, I, as soon as I realized the fullness of, tr- of truth that was contained in the Catholic Church, I, I actually contacted a priest and I immediately got myself back into the church, which was great because I had had all my sacraments as a child. <laughs> so. Wow, what a story!
1: I mean, yeah. you told it to me before because you were a guest on the foundation uh, that I represent, the Saint Raymond and Anas Foundation, and that has yet to be published, but it will be coming out pretty soon. You know that that video podcast that we did, right? And uh, so you have had quite a journey. Uh, And then, you know, you met your husband. So God answered that prayer. I mean, you weren't in your 20s or your 30s, right? I mean, you were in your 40s.
2: Yes, my early 40s. Yes. So tell us about that, because that's very
1: interesting how you came back into the church and then you kept praying about, you know, you felt that God did have a mate for you, that he did have someone in mind. For you to to live your life with. So, what happened after
2: that? So, I came back into the Catholic Church, and I I had a lot of baggage, (laughs) and um, it 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 started in the evangelical world in the sense that you know when you're older, you know, and I believe that everybody gets everybody has a gift, and 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 everybody has a a struggle. And and my struggle was getting to marriage. And and so marriage comes easy for some people and and it didn't for me. And and people would, you know, and, and I and I honestly believe people don't know what to do with people who it doesn't come easy for. And and people I see it happening in the Catholic church too, because it, it did happen to me when I came back into the Catholic church, that that it started out in the evangelical church, people would you know, say to me like, well, maybe God has nobody for you and you need to accept that, or God's called you to be single. And that would just absolutely break my heart. Like um, I would just go into a tailspin of despair when, when that would be said to me. And when that initially happened, I I didn't know theologically enough about God and how much he loves marriage to be able to counter that. so it was it was I would go to just like total despair over that and and I would really struggle with that and I would believe that. And then as I did a lot of uh, you know, this research and everything, and then came back into the Catholic church, I started to encounter that from a lot of people in the Catholic church as well. And I see, um, I have people saying that to me in the Catholic church as well. And I, I now see, now that I'm married, I see this new, I like to call it an error <laughs> and not in the magisterium, because we know that that's error free. But it being said to people like, oh, well, you might be called to um, a vocation of singleness. And and I don't believe that that is true, that there's not a vocation to singleness apart from forsaking the great good of marriage for the kingdom of heaven. And um, you're not just called to be single to be single. And um, I I actually never could accept it. Like I just knew that I was called to marriage. Like I, I knew I was not called to a religious life. Like I had thought about that, but I just knew that I wasn't I had this burning desire to be married. And and so I I I prayed novenas. I I did um I prayed to like all these saints. Like I would actually um pray to Sarah in the book of Tobit, you know, who struggled to get a husband. I would pray to her. I prayed to Hannah and to Abraham's wife, Sarah and Elizabeth, because those were women who struggled to have babies later in life. So I knew they could relate to my struggle. And eventually I prayed, you know, to the blessed mother, because to me, she's like the saint above all saints. So I knew that she could do something for me. And and it was really that um that those prayers i believe to the blessed mother that really came through for me and i met my husband um like right after divine mercy sunday and um we were <laughs> we were we met and my husband was married previously and i had shared that with you when we did the 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 video podcast for your foundation that my husband was married previously. And um, so he, we needed to get an annulment and I wouldn't even um, contemplate getting engaged without an annulment because I take the marriage laws very seriously that the church has in place. And um, so we, we met, we dated, we had an annulment, we got engaged, and we got married all within 11 months to the date that we had met. So it's really, truly a miracle um, that God had performed for me.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's beautiful story. And, you know, I really uh, am, am uh, impressed by, number one, your, your faithfulness uh, to, to the church uh, you know, and 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 how beautiful that is, and and also I'm intrigued because um, you know I think we hear an awful lot about singleness is a vocation, and uh, you 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 uh, give a great um, you know point in that in that forsaking marriage, forsaking marriage for the, the building up of the kingdom of God, uh, you know, and, and certainly, you know, priests, uh, religious, and there's, um, and, and there's even perpetual virgins who who make a vow to, you know, sacrifice this great gift of marriage for the kingdom of heaven so that uh, it can, uh, they, they can remain free um, from marriage so that they can serve everybody in the church— um, but, but, but when it comes to marriage, you're right, God loves marriage. In fact, in like one of the very first things God says to man is that it's not good for man to be alone. Uh, and and of course, he creates woman uh, so that they can be together and have um, and and have this loving bond and relationship. Um, so, so I, I would love for you just to maybe expound on that and talk a little bit more about, um, you know how you discovered that that singleness, you know, just being perpetually single to be single and not have any direction, whether you know, and an interior prayer life about okay, does God want me to forsake this great gift of marriage for the kingdom, or does He want me to get married? Um, and you know, so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about um, you know the, the the discernment process of of how we of how you went through that or how you would like other people to maybe approach that too. I think you have some really great insights, uh, especially getting married a little bit later in life, you know, so that would be wonderful.
2: Sure. Well, I think that like for the first time in history, we're facing like a societal phenomenon, that's going on where you know it's not just inside the church it's society and then the church is being impacted by what's going on in society in that we have people delaying marriage you know for much longer and and so like you know there's some scriptures that talk about like you know that it's there's like at least 3 of them um, that talk about like the wife of your youth or this and the spouse of your youth, and I think God created us to marry at a much younger age than what we're seeing going on, and and I think our biological nature speaks to that. Like and and because I think we have, you know, one birth control has become so accepted. And, and then we, you know, we have a sex drive and it's meant to drive us to marriage and that God has ordained the sacrament of marriage as the only acceptable relationship for the marital embrace. Society has deemed that to, to, you know, be like, you can have sex whenever and with whoever, and there's no shame anymore in not have, in having sex outside of marriage. So you can keep delaying marriage as long as you want and not responding to what your body is saying. And so, and then people have deemed marriage not necessary. So they'll have, you know, living together, having children outside of marriage and not deeming the marriage union necessary for children. And, and I kind of fell into that in the sense of that, you know, I went to college, I went to law school and, and that those things were good in the sense that I have skills and I think people, sh- you know, women should still do that. But then there's this thing that happens after you get your education that it's like, well, we can't get married now because we still have to become financially capable of getting married. And I think that becomes more important to people than getting married and and that's not good either and then it becomes harder and harder to get married and and there and I'm not really sure how to fix that but I think at some point people have to recognize that getting married is more important than being financially secure because the financial security comes When you're married, that will come with marriage, with marriage and, and we have to value marriage more than we value making a lot of money and becoming financially secure because that God will honor us and take care of us. If we honor his precepts and honor him by doing things his way, um, and so I think because we have this phenomenon going on, the church, and when I say the church, I mean like little C, not big C with the magisterium. People don't know what to do with all of these singles who then get stuck in what I have termed prolonged singleness hmm. because it's it's prolonged. Like we weren't, God created us in a primordial state of marriage. Like he could have created Adam, Eve, Eve, any way that he wanted to but he created them in this primordial state of marriage and and so that is how we're really supposed to be functioning and how we we mirror God's image completely to the world around us and so that desire for marriage if we're living in the right way it it never goes away like it that desire, like I've had women who have read my website, write me, and it, and some of them are in their fifties and sixties who have never married, and they're like heartbroken because that desire for marriage has never gone away. And and people would say to me, like, well, you you have a, you have a law degree, you have a career, you don't need marriage. Like they're two completely separate needs. Like God, he God, when God created Adam, he, he, it says that he put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. And that work was like a completely separate need. Then God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And then he created Eve for him. So work and marriage are two separate needs. And they were before the fall. Like they were absolutely before Adam and Eve sinned. And then there was the need for the cross. So God created us with what I like to call pre-fall needs. (laughs) He made us needy. (laughs) Yeah.
0: That's a great point. You know, that's a great point. And I don't think we often think of that when we think of needs, you know, okay. But but Adam did have a need. I remember listening to uh, another evangelist talking about, you know, how Adam... He looked through all of the creatures God had created and he couldn't find one like himself.
1: Right.
2: Right. And, and he said when he brought, God brought Eve to him, he said, at last, this yeah. one is like bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. So I kind of, when I look at that scripture, he's like, at last, like, like, so he was like, wow, like at last, this one is, you know, for me, like in a way he was kind of looking, I think like, you know, like he wasn't, he was meant to, you know, be, he, he was looking for something to match him, you know, and, and when I look at these, you know, prior to sin, cause they lived in this like innocence, you know, God talks about these, you know, when I go back to my pre-fall need theory, <laughs> um, <laughs> God says, you know, he, he put the food there for them. So he made us needy with food and he gave us work and he gave us marriage. So I view marriage as a need and I don't I don't think that that has ever gone away and nothing can replace that in us. And I, and I think when we don't have it, like, like when, when we look at priests, like when priests get married, we never say that a priest has forsaken the great good of singleness. We always think that they've forsaken the great good of marriage. Right.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for all that you said. I mean, I think your ministry is amazing. Um, For our listeners and for clarification, I thought it would be a good idea if you could um, tell us at the heart of your ministry, what is now, I know that your, your goal is not your own goal, but it's God's goal. I know that you're not going according to just what you feel like doing, right? I mean, this is what God is, you feel God has instilled on you. So if if you could have any outcome to your ministry over many, many years of doing this, what exactly would that be? Are you, is your main goal to educate people that, and I'm going to say this bluntly, that singleness is not a vocation. I mean, is that pretty much what your bottom line is, what you're trying to instill so that it's more known, so that people don't say that you know they have a choice as to whether they want to get married or not, that it's either you're going to be religious, uh, you're going to become a religious, a priest, a nun, uh, or you're going to get married. Because really and truly, that whole singleness is not really a choice. It's not something that you decide, hey, I want to be single for the rest of my life. It's not a vocation, right? I mean, I just want yeah. to make it clear that that's what you're what your goal is, is what, and then I do want to ask some questions about that.
2: Sure, sure. I think there's, you know, three purposes to my ministry. Um, One is what you just said is to counteract that error that has entered in um, to the church, that singleness in and of itself outside of, um, you know, in, in Matthew 19, jesus actually speaks to uh the three acceptable forms of singleness you know he's he says that you know there's three reasons a person doesn't marry they're either born not capable of marriage they're born because other people make them unable to marry or they forsake marriage for the kingdom of heaven so and and to you know, there's a whole discussion we can have about those three.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I I, know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so, um, and maybe those might be some questions you have. Um, so, so I want to, you know, I want people to know that they're, they're not singled out. Like if they really want marriage. So, and that kind of, you know, tails off into my, my second thing, like, like I was very fortunate in that I had two, women that I have become friends with, um, that, that married later in life, they were about 10 years older than me. And, and, um, I had found one through an article that she had written in ChristianityToday.com, um, which is a, a Protestant like magazine. And I become friends with her and another woman through her. And I considered them mentors and, and they kind of gave me, you know, encouragement and help. And, and so I, they were like the only resources out there. And I, and so I want to provide for other, because I think that the society has, um, you know, disintegrated even more than what it was for me in like the nineties and the early two thousands. I want to, to, help you know women and and even if men are out there that want to read my stuff to help them because we we need to preserve the doctrine that's out there for people and to that if I can give what was given to me and a little bit more then they have that and I and the third reason too is that sister Lucia of Fatima had said that the last battle between Satan and God was going to be over marriage and the family. And and I believe part of that battle is the battle to get married. I believe that it is getting harder and harder for people to get married. And we're seeing that with this phenomenon of prolonged singleness, like it, it, one of the statistics I've recently read is that at least 50% right now, of people are single. And we even talked on the podcast, the video podcast we did for you is that there's like a secondary prolonged singleness of people who have, um, were married and got divorced. Um, my husband himself had been single for over 10 years. Um, and, and, you know, maybe even people who have, you know, were married and maybe have become a widow or a widower. And and so God didn't intend for us to live that way. And um and so I think by you know part of that battle is because of the way the culture has become and then I think if if people can get married, one it it brings some happiness to them and they're not alone which god didn't intend for them to be alone and number two it mirrors god's image to people on earth because that's part of how you know in, in genesis it says let us make let us make them in our image male and female and that's where we get the first clue that god is is a is part of a trinity and and we want to show god's image to to everybody on earth.
1: Yeah, be- beautifully stated. Mm. And um you know, I want to say one thing I really appreciate about you and your ministry is that you have thought this out so well. And I know you've done a lot of research and, and a lot of prayer and talked to a lot of people. So your conclusions are not just random. I know that what you've come up with here is based on church teaching and it's based on the truth. Um I do have a question though, because I know that there's somebody listening. Um, you know, I was even talking at dinner, the dinner table tonight with my husband and my daughter. Um, my daughter's in her early twenties and um, she does have her degree in theology. And even she didn't know, I will say this, okay. She got her bachelor's in theology. Even she didn't know that being single wasn't a, wasn't a vocation. Okay. And so my question what is if there's somebody listening and thinking, there are people out there. Now I'm not saying I've been one of them. I was one of those people that when I was like a teenager, I wanted to get married to a point where my husband was like, "I'm going to get married when I'm 30." And so <laughs> <laughs> If he's listening, he's probably laughing along with me, but he did not have that desire as much as I did to get married right away. It was nothing against me. I mean, he was one of those guys that, you know, enjoyed his friends and and wasn't quite ready to settle down. So He kind of, uh, you know, uh, instead of getting married at 30, got married at 26. Ha ha, you know, but, you know,
0: (laughs) and I was 24
1: and I'm 56 now. So we have been married for many, many years. But uh, bottom line, what I'm what I want to say is that um, for those people who don't understand, you know, there's people today that. Quite honestly, now, this is a flaw, too. You're right, because there, there's not the desire. But there are people who literally say, well, I don't ever want to get married. And like I said, I mean, I love my husband. He's my husband. I mean, right? He's my life partner. But even he didn't want to get married right away. And and we were celebrating our faith. I mean, he just didn't have that desire that I had, you know, as much to get married right away. I mean, he was a young guy, and he he didn't feel he had the resources to settle down right away. So for those people out there that are think that don't feel that sense of like, that they, they feel this pull about wanting to get married. What do they do? What do those people do? Or, or, or is it, is it, do they, is, are they still being called to marriage, even if they don't feel it?
2: Yeah, and and that, those are really good questions. Um, you know, I think there's a couple things mixed in there and, you know, it, it first of all, in today's day and age, Th- things are so, so much more expensive, you know? And I get it. You, you know, kids are getting, I say kids because I'm in my early 50s as well. So, right. I'm in my um, late now, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and, and they, they get out with tremendous, tremendous student loan debt, tremendous. Like, I, I know that their student loan debts from college are, are comparable to what mine were from law school and i i graduated in 1993 so from law school so but i also believe that um like so when i married my husband 10 years ago i was still paying on my law school loans still and um and so my my husband um would because I was married, I was able to pay more on them because two incomes are easier than one. And I think that's where um, marriage is, we need that sanctifying grace that marriage brings to us, that dying of self. And I think in our society today that we've become like, you know, we, we don't wanna die to self we've become yeah. so oh, yeah. you know we we have become like i i want to live for myself and i don't want to give to another and and so two incomes are going to allow you to be able to pay off debt it's going to allow you to be able to um get rid of that debt and and my and, and i also believe this too um and i and i say this for for both men and women when a man falls in love with a woman, he will he will do things that he never thought he would do. Um, so, you know, saying this when he's not saying this now. You know, like my husband put his house up for sale in Texas before it sold. You know, he and moved out. We were living. I was living in Maryland. And and it hadn't sold yet, and he he trusted, you know, we trusted that it would sell, and he moved out to Maryland. Now I, I could never do something like that myself. <laughs> um, and he married me with still a ton of law school loan debt. But it, wow. but but that's like what Christ did, you know. Christ took us on while we were still yet sinners, and that's what the marriage it's supposed to be like to take us on why we had a ton of debt. You know, he, he bore all of our debt on the cross and, and see, that's why we're, we're becoming so more of a godless society. And that's why having more of these marriages are so more important for people to see what God's relationship with us looks like. And, and then the other issue becomes, which, you know, I'm just going to speak so bluntly, because that's what I do yeah, yeah. is, you know, is the sex issue. Um, The question becomes, then if people don't want to marry, you know, are they being continent? You know, are they having sex outside of marriage? You know, are they, are they disregarding God's, you know, laws, Yes. you know, and, you know, we have this same, which I'm sure that, you know, everybody's heard of it. You know, a lot of people say it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to ask for permission. You know, um, are people just, you know, having sex and then just going to confession, you know, or are they just having sex and not going to confession? Or are you like really taking it seriously that God only wants you to have sex inside of marriage and trying to live your life the way God ordains it to be lived. And those are some really serious questions that I think we as a church body should be having with people. And I don't know if we're really having them.
1: Well, that's why your ministry, and I'm glad we clarified the purpose of your ministry, because it sounds like to me, it's a combination of teaching, example, and also guiding. If it, now I, I could be wrong, but that's what I'm hearing is that your ministry is so that there's an awareness of the truth and the fact that if we look at ourselves as single-minded toward what God wants for our lives, then maybe truly there is not a single vocation. Now, I'm going to say that to you at, in, in, in the respect that even I myself was not completely fully aware that singleness isn't a vocation. I know that it's not a vocation of service, right? Correct? It's not a vocation of service. Now, the only other question, just to finish off that first part of the question that I asked was that, so aside from the fact of someone who, like you said, are they living a chaste life? Are they really and truly living, the doctrines of the church. Okay. If they're doing all that and they still say, you know what, I don't want to get married. I don't feel that marriage is my vocation. What about those people? So before we move on and talk about the rest of this discussion, I just want to clarify that because there are people and, you know, we have people who are, you know, quite bluntly same sex attracted too. That, and that's you know, a whole different topic. That's a whole nother yeah. topic, right? Mm-hmm. So, so what I would say to you is for anybody listening who says, you know what, I understand what she's saying. I love the church. I'm doing everything right, but I still don't have a desire in my
2: heart to want to marry. What about
1: those people? I guess. and,
2: and may, so, that, so that could be like a, a consecrated virgin, you know, like I don't have a desire to marry. I, you know, uh, I'm Chaste, everything I love, Christ. You know, I might want, you know, might want to look at being a consecrated virgin. I don't have, don't feel like I feel called to a religious life. I feel called to stay in the world. That might be their their road. Yeah. Okay.
0: And you know that's a beautiful insight too, because oftentimes we don't hear that on many podcasts or in the, in the Catholic church as an option. I mean, I know that, uh, as an option because, um, uh, I, I've, I've witnessed that. I've seen that and that's open for both men and women, by the way, yes. uh, that is, that, that yes. is not just a women's, uh, thing. It's open to both men and women. Um, and, uh, there's actually a ceremony and, uh, yes. you know, vows that you take, uh, for that, uh, you know, just like you would almost a wedding, <laughs> it, it kind of yes. looks like that. Yeah. Um, but for the exception that you're, um, you know, foregoing that for 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 Christ, and that's a beautiful, beautiful, um, you know, vow to make. But 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 I like that because there's also a level of commitment, right? <laughs> you know, there's a and and you know that issue I think is one that you can probably speak a little bit about because I think we are. As as human beings meant for a commitment uh, to a vocation of some kind, and it's not just um, okay leave it open to be single. No, if you're going to be you know a, a perpetual virgin, then then make that statement. If you're going to be married, then make that statement. You know, and make that witness to to Christ, and, and you're making it to Christ and the Church, you're not just making it to your spouse. I think that often gets watered down, too, because of the way marriage is now turned into a social contract. You can go to the courthouse and get married, and and, and you haven't, you know, so, you know, civilly married, and you haven't made that commitment to to Christ and to God. And so maybe you want to just talk a little bit about that commitment to God as as part of marriage. It's,
2: okay, sure. Um, and, and, but, you know, as, a, as going into that, um, you know, in the catechism of the Catholic Church in section 1603, um, it, it states that God himself is the author of marriage and that the vocation to marriage is written in the very nature of man and woman as they come from the hand of the creator. And so when I read that, I realized like that that goes back to like what happened in the garden, that that God wrote marriage into the very nature of our creation. Like when he created us and that, that he, you know, he created us in this primordial state of marriage. And then, you know, we, we know what happened. We, you know, sin entered in original sin and, and, and nothing, I don't believe anything um, was exempt from the fallout of that. And so when Jesus in Matthew 19, talks about, you know, the three reasons why somebody doesn't marry. Um, You know, there's certain people who are born not capable of marriage. And then there's people who are made not capable of marriage. And then there's the people who forsake it for the kingdom of heaven, which could be like, you know a consecrated single person, um, priestly life, the religious life. And I even put in there like, maybe there might be a single person who, doesn't take any of those but maybe like um just like goes into some type of mission you know who really feels like they can't you know do it or is, participates in an exorcism ministry and feels it's just too dangerous i'm mean, i'm just kind of coming up with some yeah. examples sure. um but but the things that that because it's written in our very nature like we forsake that greater good when we do it for the kingdom. And, and it, and I'm going to piggyback right around to your question, Bill. um, But it, I, I saw for myself, and this is where I want to give hope to people who are stuck in the prolonged singleness issue is that I, I had become somebody who was not capable of marriage as a result of other people. And but I was still called to it because it, that nature, it was, I was called by God from it because it was written into the nature of me. And I think people have different reasons that they might get stuck because of sin, because we live in a fallen world. And, and you know, we it could be because of wounds from other relationships. It could be because of abuse from when you're a child. And it could be because of society, like society as a group can make you not capable of marriage. But the good news is, and that's what I want to preach, you know, or share with people. The good news is, is because of Christ and the Holy Spirit, he can heal us from those wounds and he can help us still get to marriage. And, and that's what he did for me. Like he helped me overcome the obstacles and the impediments that I had to to attract and sustain a relationship that could get to marriage. And and he can still do like God, like in one of the scriptures, um, it says that the governments or the nations, depending what um, translation you look at, are a drop in the bucket to God. So I always analogize, anal- that over that society is a drop in the bucket to God. (laughs) He can help you find a spouse and he can do that for you, but you have to cooperate with him to like work on your issues, your wounds, change your behaviors to help your part in it as well. And the part that you brought up, Bill, like we, We have a commitment with God and we need marriage, like marriage, like you said, is a need or I said marriage is a need, but it's a it's a need because we don't want to be alone. But we also need that commitment with the vocation because it's also a sanctifying grace. Like we've all heard it say that our spouses help us get to heaven um, because like St. John Paul II talked about the school of love nothing sanctifies you more than marriage and for people who forsake it for the kingdom, that's their school of love. Like that's their measure or mechanism of sanctification. So if you like, just want to be single, like not that God can't bring other sanctification measures into your life because he can, but you like, you're gonna, you need that sanctifying, like that sandpaper that marriage brings into your life. But you also need the companionship. It's a gift. I I like to say marriage is a mercy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Congratulations to
1: you too. Now you've been married, was it 10 years? Did you say?
2: Yeah, we just had our 10 year wedding anniversary last month. Wow, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, you give a lot of hope to people. And um, we have about 10 more minutes left of the show. I wondered if you can share like somebody who might be listening and thinking exactly what you thought 10 years ago. Now, what can they do? Like, in other words, should the mindset be of someone who makes the same decision that you did, that God is calling them to marriage? So does that mean do they sign up for Catholic Match? Tell all their friends that you know, hey, I I'm open to relationships. You know, what do they do? Do they leave themselves open that way, or do they just kind of wait for quote God to show someone? You know, did they in other words, do they be proactive or just like reactive about this whole thing?
2: Those are that's a really good question. Um, it's you have to do both. Like it's kind of like like, if we knew somebody who was unemployed, like, we would never tell them, like, you know, you you just stay home and trust that God's going to drop a job, you know, on your lap, even though God's done that for me, too. (laughs) But you, you know, you have to do both. So you have to, you have to pray and ask God to work providentially in your life. But then you also have to, um, you have to Also, look and see like maybe where you're you're contributing to your own singleness and and you definitely have to put yourself out there and and like so I there were things that like I was definitely afraid to do like I was I was definitely afraid of putting my picture out on a profile so so I I had to do that and and um I I hated rejection and And so I I had decided that I was gonna be one of those people who could go on a date with a man. And if I never heard from him again, it was okay. Like I was gonna get through it. And and then I also went on blind dates. I asked people to set me up with people. I even had my mother um, have her coworkers set me up with people like lunch dates, things like that. I mean, I, I did, I left like no stone unturned and um, it's, it's even if you, even if you, I wrote an article recently um, on my blog post called the 12 dates club that this other woman did. She just was like open to any date possible to get to 12 dates. Um, just so you get practice dating, and I think that, like, I, I was really, I just recently, I was just really encouraged by her story because her story was a little different than mine. And she married in her forties too, and um, and 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 it's it's painful. It's painful to be older and dating. It's extremely painful. But I think you have to start somewhere, and you just have to be determined that you're going to go out there. And, and I was like, I'm not going to go down without a fight. Like, I'm just not going to go down without a fight.
1: So you, you set your mind and your heart and your willingness to do God's will right at what you felt that God was calling you to marriage. So I think that's, that's real perseverance is what it is. Right. Right.
2: Right. Like, like, like when we know people who are unemployed, we tell them to go on their interviews. We were like, even if you don't get the job, it's still practice with an interview. So even if the date doesn't turn into anything, it's still practice. Like we, we should, you know, like I, like blind dates are very painful. Um, and I remember going on a blind date and I went into the restroom and I was crying. <laughs> I was gonna call someone to come pick me up because it was such a nightmare of a blind date. Um, but then I actually met my husband on a blind date. So you never know how God's gonna work. You just right. yeah, you just don't know. I'm so, so glad that you
1: found the man that God had in mind for you. And I think you give so much hope for people who uh, are single for a long, long time. And, you know, you know, I, I'm the director for a foundation where we deal with a lot of people who are divorced and an old and, and, you know, after they've been divorced for so many years, sometimes it is in somebody's heart that after that annulment has gone through and, and they do have a desire to try to find someone else, uh, you know, And following church teaching, right? Because they're not doing it while they're not annulled. They're doing it after this annulment. Um, So I know you said your husband went through that. Can
2: you talk a little bit about that too? Sure. Um, Well, my, you know, my husband, I think I shared this with you previously, was not a Catholic. When I met him, he was a non-denominational Christian. And so when I first met him, um, I... I was very open about, like, hey, I I cannot, you know, really go forward with anything with you, you know, unless you get that previous marriage annulled, because I was, I was not going to go to hell over being married to somebody who I could not legally, you know, in the eyes of God, marry, because I took the church marriage rules very seriously, and so after I met him, um, he went back to Texas, and he um, cause he was living in Texas at the time. And, um, and he went to his local Catholic church and talked to the priest about annulments so he could figure out about them. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I thought it would scare him off, but it didn't. And, and that's where I feel like people have to trust God that if it's, if you do what God asks you to do, God will make a way. Um, he's, I, I think God is looking for people to have faith, you know, that that God wants people to to have faith in him. Um, And so, you know, we we looked into the annulment process and um, it turned out that my husband's first wife was a Catholic, but she had left the Catholic church. And so they were not married in the appropriate ecclesiastical form. And so we were able to get an annulment in two in two weeks. Oh, wow, that's quick. Yeah, it was it was really a miracle. And I knew nothing about the annulment. So and that made me a little, a little scared of him, too. But once I understood and the priest explained to it, explained it to us and everything, um, it was it was, you know, God just really worked a miracle. So
1: wow. Well, you have an amazing ministry, and I want to mention your website again for people to reach out to you. It's passionofhope.com. So tell us about your uh, now, when I'm using the word services, but I know that they're not necessarily like paid services, right? But nope. tell us about your I should call it a ministry, right? I mean, this ministry, tell us about what you offer to the people listening so they can connect with you.
2: Sure. Well, on my website, um, you know, I've I I have a blog there where people can read like articles where I, you know, I try to combine both like, you know, scripture and theology. So because pe- I feel like once you understand how God sees it, that's very helpful. But then I also try to do some practical, because I think people need both practical and the spiritual to combat this issue. But I also have a free ebook that people can download called Prolonged Singleness, the ABC Guide to Breaking Free. And um, it's got journal prompts and, you know, kind of just a place for people to jumpstart working through this issue, um, you know, to look at their own mindsets, how they view God scriptures and catechism quotes that they can like look up themselves and really start bringing the issue to God because the best place to start is really just admitting to God that you want to get married and inviting God to help you start working through the issues that you may be struggling with because it's really I want to I kind of want to excite people to be like I want to get married and you know because I can't really get you married but i can help you seek god to help you get married mm. and what a beautiful mission
1: that. that you have um and i i think it's wonderful and beautiful that you're doing this it is not like a quote paid service i mean this is something that you're doing as a ministry now are you a non-profit 501c3 as well no.
2: okay no no Mm-mm. And I also write for Catholic Match, so there's links. Oh, okay. Yeah, too. There are links there to um, Catholic, my Catholic Match article, so people can see that as well.
1: Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. Um, awesome. Any final words before we end? First, I want to thank you so yeah. much for being a guest because I think your work is really fascinating, and I think that your ministry is unique, and I think that especially I think that young people need to hear this message too. I, I don't think it's just for the older people who are, can't find a spouse or, or feel called to marriage, but didn't find that person yet. Younger people need to hear this message too. Yeah. The,
2: the younger they marry, they won't, then they won't end up like, like I did. So, <laughs> so it's, you know, and I just want to thank you for having me on. Like this was really an honor to yes. be on your podcast. So, thank you both mm-hmm. um, for having me as a guest. And I just want to encourage people to, you know, believe that God wants them to be married and to, you know, that it's, you know, marriage is a gift.
1: Mm.
2: Thank you so much. God bless you.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you. Thank
2: you. So you too.
0: Yeah, folks, uh, thank you uh, so much for listening as well. And know that uh, we will have, uh, all of the links and whatnot right in our show notes. But uh, until next time from all of us here at Patchwork Heart Ministry, I'm Bill Snyder. Keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sewing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sewing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and AndySantis.com You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWHMinistry or AndySantis2